to the Writerly Bites podcast, where you'll get bite-sized tips for making your writing and your writing life better. I'm Blair Hurley, and I'm a novelist and creative writing instructor. You can find more about me at BlairHurley.com and on Twitter at BHurley. You can follow news about the podcast on Twitter at Writerly Bites. Happy summer to all of my Northern Hemisphere listeners. I'm taking a little break for the next couple of weeks uh, to focus on my writing and to enjoy the warm weather, but I'm including some clips of my favorite episodes from last year's summer just to catch you up and keep you writing for the next couple of weeks. So this episode, you'll be hearing about one of my favorite episodes, How to Scenify a Story. And also one of my more technical episodes that is one of the most popular and most listened to episodes, uh, a little bit about why and how to remove the as clause from your writing. Enjoy some of my two favorite episodes and have a great summer. I'll be back in just a couple of weeks, writers. This week's writing tip is scenify your story. The moment you've been waiting for the whole movie when the shark attacks the cutting look between two exes across a room at a dinner party, the slow, thrilling transformation of a character from a hero into a villain in the space of one conversation. The moments and stories that thrill us are all found in scenes, and the structure of stories would collapse without the strong backbone scenes give us. Scenes provide structure, coherence, and continuity, but they also provide revealing moments, character transformations, and climactic choices. The emotional core of a story is almost always to be found in its scenes. Scenes are the fundamental building blocks of stories. As one teacher of mine classified it, everything in stories falls into two categories, scenes and glides. Scenes are what happens in real time. They have a discrete beginning and end. They take place on stage, in front of the reader, and they have transitions or entrances and exits from one scene to the next. A man walks into a bar. A woman gets in a taxi, thinking about the trip ahead of her. A mother and daughter sit down to lunch, bringing tension and deception and passive aggression to the table. There are scenes all around us, happening every day with the people we love. The more we look at our lives in terms of scenes, the more we'll be able to construct our own. Glides are everything else that stories need. Exposition, background, reflection, and analysis of what things mean, or what we sometimes call habitual time. Habitual time is when we describe the way events usually happen in a character's life. Every Tuesday, he went to the park and thought about his dear departed wife. Each time he went to the park, he would sigh and think of everything he missed about her. In habitual time, we aren't grounded in a specific time or place. We're in a slightly vague every time of what happens in every Tuesday. It's useful background for building a character's world, but if the entire story were told in habitual time, it would never feel like a story. A story begins when something different happens on one particular Tuesday. So without scenes, we'd have summary. Scenes are the good stuff, the important stuff, the character drama, the difficult choices, the revealing moments, the tense or hilarious dialogue, the tender exchanges between lovers. Pretty much everything that's deeply moved you in a story took place in a scene. But scenes require skill to construct. They have their own rules, and they need careful planning and imagination to make them feel real, vital, and dramatic. That's why you'll hear me return again and again to the topic of constructing scenes, building scenes, engineering scenes, because there's so much to say about what goes into a good scene. 
But this week, imagine that you have a choice laid out before you when you're choosing to deliver a new piece of information. You could tell it to us in summary, or you could scenify your story, choosing to prioritize what happened in the real-time experience at the moment. Show us the specifics. Give us the sweat and the smells and what people actually said in that tense, awkward, surprising encounter. A great revision exercise is to go through a draft of a story you've already written, searching for opportunities to scenify small moments. You may be surprised by how vital a story can become if more of the little moments of conflict and decision happen on stage before our eyes. This week's writing tip is avoid the as clause. This month I'm talking about the large and small things we can do when we're in revision mode. And this week I want to get granular. I want to talk about a very small thing in sentence structures that I think we can improve upon. I'm referring to the dreaded as clause. So here's an example. As she was getting out of the car, she yelled that she didn't love him and she never had. In a sentence like that, we've got an as clause and an independent clause that really contains the important information in the sentence. The as clause is wildly popular with writers and it conveys simultaneity. We're meant to picture the woman getting out of the car in full voice, yelling her declaration. The as clause has to show us two things that are happening at the same time. But the problem is, writers insist on using it when the two events aren't really simultaneous, or when it's distracting and downright nonsensical to imagine them as simultaneous. As she jerked the steering wheel, she yelled that she didn't love him and she never had. In that example, the jerking of the steering wheel is one sharp action. It probably takes a second or less. But the thing she's shouting has to take longer than that. It can't really be simultaneous, or it could be, but we're distracted as readers trying to figure out how to finagle that. All this is to say that as clauses are tricky and don't always depict the passage of time the way we hope they would. Instead of an as clause, consider having one action follow another. Acknowledge that the two events are not quite simultaneous or that one ends before the other. Keep it simple and direct, especially in moments of heightened emotion and quick action. Another thing that is wrong with this, or that is a problem with the as clause, is that it slows things down. Any kind of introductory clause that's set off by commas tends to make the sentence feel like it's unfurling slowly and thoughtfully, as if someone's delivering an essay to us. We have to spend time building one image in our mind, and then the other, And then we get this retroactive information that we need to imagine these things as happening simultaneously. It's a question of style and of personal taste and preference, of course. It's all about what kinds of sentences you want to create as a writer. But it's worth becoming more mindful about what those sentences are and what they do and what kinds of sentences you tend to rely upon and whether they're really achieving the effect you want. It might be a kind of written tick or habit of, of yours or mine to start a, a paragraph or a bit of description with an as clause. 
But if we try to break out of that deliberately and try to start our action or description with something else, we might be really satisfied uh, with, with how we can change and, and just shake up our normal sentence habits. So this week, think about letting the as clause go and consider all the other tricky, wonderful ways you can write about the passage of time. Thanks for listening. The Writerly Bites podcast will be back with micro tips to make your writing better. It's produced by me, Blair Hurley. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and visit the website at writerlybites.com. Email me at writerlybitespodcast at gmail.com with your favorite tips or questions about the writing life, which I'd love to tackle in future episodes.